for an hour or two yesterday in Nevada, where I live, it looked as if it might rain. I, I heard that it rained here, but not there. It felt as if the clouds might open up and pour down that saving grace the earth is craving. That wonderful wet salvation might come at last to the parched desert. But it's odd to think of California as a desert, and yet it is, isn't it? Much of the water we have is water which has been engineered and arrives from other places. We are not naturally wet enough to be the verdant place we take for granted. Jesus lived in a similar desert without benefit or perhaps burden of engineering. Think of how many times we hear reference to water in the New Testament. Whoever believes in me out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And the water that I will give will become a spring of water that will well up to eternal life. And everyone who drinks of this water will never be thirsty again. Living water is for everyone who believes. It is not to be engineered. It is not to be bought and sold. When it was time for Jesus to be ordained as the leader of his people, he went out to the desert, as did many other kings. He did not take with him the religious or political hierarchy in order to anoint him with pomp and circumstance in front of people who had paid for expensive seats in the audience. Instead, he asked John, this strange hermit who had been out there in the desert gathering quite a following, to plunge him into the water of the River Jordan. And when this happened, according to the author of the Gospel, people there experienced a voice they attributed to God saying, This is my beloved Son. Getting into the Jordan River, as had everyone else who had left Jerusalem to follow John the Baptist, was obviously a radically divergent kind of coronation, was it not? There was trouble all the way around when Jesus did this. Herod, the local Roman king, the one whose father we heard about who was so disturbed by the birth of Jesus, had John arrested. Other people wondered why Jesus would need to submit to John if he was, as he claimed, the one sent by God. What sins had he to be forgiven? As always, there was no meaning in old ritual. There was no need here for the forgiveness of sins. The plunge into the water was instead a plunge into the new community of the people with God, the people of God with God in person, God incarnate. It was the most radical sign this most radical human being could have given that Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, had come to build an entirely new relationship between humanity and God. And in the course of Jesus' life, we hear a great deal about water. He called his apostles from the water. He taught and healed on the shores of lakes. He made conversations and had conversions at wells. And near these bodies of water, what he is doing is what we heard in the reading from Isaiah. He is a light to the nations. He opens the eyes of the blind. He brings out prisoners from the darkness. Isaiah's prophecy is that the Messiah will not be a loud and ceremonious king, but a servant of justice a bringer of healing, a light in the darkness. 
It is as if we are being told that the waters of the soul are like the waters of the earth, necessary to everyone, open to everyone, given to everyone. The water of eternal life into which we are plunged at our baptism is the life of the God who climbed into the Jordan River with us. And to me, that means that through our communal life, which we celebrate in this Eucharist every week, the river of salvation is present in each of us, waiting to be drunk by anyone who needs it. Imagine, imagine with me what that would be like if everyone believed that the well of salvation was present within her. Not that salvation comes at the end of life or at the end of all times, but is present here and now inside each of us. Imagine what it would be like if we really believed that all things are possible because God is really sitting next to us in the pew. I don't know about you, but I would have to do things a bit differently if I could get myself to remember that every day. But don't take my word for it. Think about what's happened here lately. On Christmas Eve, there were 300 people here to see the pageant. It was crowded. It was noisy. It was amazing. I'll grant you, I'll grant you, that some, perhaps many, of those people came to see their darling children in adorable costumes. But they came to see children talking about the birth of Jesus. They stayed in this church for almost an hour. And for 45 minutes on Christmas Eve, packed to the rafters, this church was the well. We almost missed it. We were almost convinced that this noisy, irreverent, restless crowd was somehow wrong in the way they attended. We kind of got impatient with them for a minute. But when it was all over, when the last little feet ran out the door clutching the cookies, it was clear that something meaningful, something nurturing, something wild and divine had happened here. Our children, our liturgy, our birth story was the well for those people. You and I know that we can't be that pageant every week. And truthfully, not everyone needs a pageant every week. But that's the wonder of community. There is something here for everyone. And when one is willing to suspend one's disbelief, when one is willing to entertain the fantasy that anything is possible with our God in our midst and in our souls, who knows what can happen? Meanwhile, we have it within us to be the water of salvation to Mill Valley and to the rest of the world. It takes practice to listen to the voice of the Spirit calling. It takes courage to face one's fears about what it means to have the well of life inside. And that's because we're so used to our rational, highly scientific, linear ways of looking at life that we have grown afraid of the whispers of the Spirit. The Spirit comes to us deep in the water of the Jordan, out there in the desert with that crazy hermit. It doesn't announce itself to us as the path of grace. Instead, it comes as a wild and wordless impulse. And more often than not, we think we're crazy to think that way. 
But think of it this way. 2,000 years ago, people like you and me, serious, church-going, hard-working people, thought that Jesus was extraordinarily strange. He did nothing to contradict them, and yet they took the risk to follow him, and that changed the world. We can do it too. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R M-V for millvalley.org We wish you God's peace and we hope to greet you in person very soon.